Okay. And we are good whenever. Alright. Just trying to get this last little bit of peanut out of my teeth. Yeah, good call. Good call. There we go. What? I'm glad I'm recording now because now I will forever have an audio clip of you saying, just trying to get this peanut out of my fucking teeth. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I didn't want to spend the whole podcast making sucking noises. Oh, I mean, hmm. the noises we make suck enough anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how tempting it is for this podcast to have a cold open of, hold on, I'm just trying to get this peanut out of my fucking teeth, and then cue music. Man, if you want to, fucking go with it. Pants wearing, chimichanga eating, fourth wall breaking friend and co-host, Mr. James Moss. If you didn't guess it yet, we're going to talk about Deadpool a little bit today. Yep, Skull Poopal. <laughs> uh, James, you got to see Deadpool 2, and I'm very jealous. Uh, like, I'm excited to talk about it, and I, I half want to just jump into it immediately, but... For the sake of people who give a shit about spoilers, we're gonna save it for the end, so we can uh, yeah. so we we can give you guys a, a podcast to listen to spoiler free beforehand. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, we got a bit of a mixed bag, uh, a bit of news, a bit of mailbag, some other stuff. Uh, I, it's gonna be a good time. Unless yeah. you unless you like people who are good at what they do. In which case you're you're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, get those high expectations out of here. <laughs> get down off of your high horse and 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 come listen to some amateurs. Uh, let's talk some news. Get down little. off that high horse and slum it with the pit ponies. <laughs> oh, the pit ponies podcast. You know there it. There you go. Uh, we haven't talked news in a while and. There's some interesting stuff that just it can't be skipped over. So I had to throw together a little news segment. Um, first off, this one it just it just struck me as really interesting. Uh, Netflix has announced a multi-year deal with Barack and Michelle Obama. Did you see this? No. What? The Obamas have a multi-year deal with Netflix to produce films and TV shows potentially including scripted series, unscripted series, docu-series, documentaries, and features. I, I have no idea what's going to come out of it, but, I mean, Netflix just has a way of getting in everybody's pockets, and it is amazing. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know, I, just, I thought it was very interesting, and... Just noteworthy enough to at least mention. Either way, I'll, I'll watch whatever it is, I'm sure. Uh, 
we've got two sets of horror related news here and they're, they're both pertaining to uh, movies that we talked about way too much already uh, <laughs> so yeah. f- first off Jordan Peele has announced his next movie uh, it is titled Us and it is set to release March 15th 2019 less than a year away um, um, is it in any way related to Get Out or is it a separate movie I think it's a separate movie but I think it's going to be in the similar vein where there's a lot of racial and social aspects put into the horror movie uh, nice. all I know and all that I, I've seen anywhere is the release date, the title the poster is online, it looks cool uh, it apparently focuses on two couples one black couple, one white couple and Lupita Nyong'o is already attached to the movie uh, nice from Black Panther and Star Wars, of course, among many other things. Uh, the other two rumored actors are Elizabeth Moss, best known for Mad Men and The Handmaid's Tale. And... Get him to the Greek. Oh, yeah, get him to the Greek. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> and... that, that's honestly the only thing I've seen her in. <laughs> nice. Uh, the, the exciting casting here is apparently in talks to play uh, the other half of the couple with Lupita Nyong'o is Winston Duke from Black Panther. Nice! Uh, played Wakabi, I believe. Is uh, The Grey Gorilla. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he was fucking awesome in that movie. And oh my god, yes. I want him in a Jordan Peele movie. I want it to happen. Uh, I also liked him a lot in the um, I was watching a lot of the red carpet and a lot of the press stuff that they were doing leading up to Infinity War like all the stuff on like Jimmy Kimmel and just a lot of these things like uh, they had a big interview with like all the cast that Mm -hmm. was moderated by Jeff Goldblum yep I was watching all that stuff, and I really liked him in a lot of the press that they were doing too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only was he fantastic in Black Panther, but like he um, was funny and engaging. Was he while was wait, the movie. He wasn't Wakabi. He was Mbaku, was it right? Yeah, Mbaku. Okay, See, I get those. I, I, I get those mixed up. Yeah, I don't want to mess up their names yeah. so whatever way I can refer to them that's like the least chance of me yeah. being offensive yeah. that's what I go with so rather than trying to remember M'Baku and yeah. stuff like that I always just referred to him as the Grey Gorilla because you know that's the character he was playing I had no trouble remembering the names it's just those two names are very similar and I get them mixed up Wakabi yeah. was uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember it was Mbaku because I remember seeing they uh, they had this piece where they were reading tweets about uh, Marvel characters or something like that, and somebody yeah. somebody tweeted <laughs> uh, 
M'Baku can throw my back out, which was <laughs> fucking hilarious. And, uh, yeah, because they had, like, uh, Winston Duke, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Sebastian Stan and, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Plays Falcon. Um, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, Anthony Mackie. The three of them together reading tweets, and they were a pretty entertaining trio. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so that looks exciting and of course Get Out was one horror movie we talked way too much about the other being Stephen King's It yep so uh, what have you seen in terms of casting for It Chapter 2 very little I've seen a few minor rumors but that's it they have casted five of the Losers Club members Officially? Yes. Ooh. I know. I only knew about three up until like half an hour ago. And, Sweet. And I was right about two of them when I predicted last year. I'm getting good with these predictions. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting some stuff right here. Um, I'm starting to think you have someone on the inside. I, I might. <laughs> so let's let's run through who they've casted so far. Uh, they have casted Eddie. Uh, Eddie is going to be played by James Ranson. I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with this actor. He appeared in the Sinister movies as the deputy. You might... Yeah. Okay. I know who he is now. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing Eddie. I think he looks the part. I. I don't know casting wise. I. I trust these guys in terms of their casting. So, you know. I liked him in Sinister, so I'm yeah. hopeful. And, and the thing is, like, I I kind of assumed there was going to be a couple actors here I'd never heard of anyway. Like... He kind of... I can see him having that nervous energy, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the other unknown is the guy playing Stan. Uh, his name is Andy Bean. And the best thing I can see that he was in was one of the Divergent sequels... So I don't know shit about this guy. Nope. And now, the three big names attached to this. Uh, two I predicted correctly. One totally left field. Uh, I, we might have talked about this already on, a, on an episode, but Jessica Chastain will be playing adult Beverly. Nice. That, that, as soon as you said you predicted correctly, that's the first one that came to mind. Yeah, like, I, I, okay, I, I gotta say, the reason I saw this coming was she is a perfect fit for an adult Beverly. She has the acting abilities. She's just big enough a name to draw people in without being, like, a super expensive actor. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. And she's worked with the director before. That's the thing that, like, really gave it away. She worked on the movie Mama with him before, so she has an in. Uh, nice. She also appeared in The Martian, Zero Dark Thirty, Interstellar. In case you don't know who she is, she's fantastic. Yeah. The other one that I got right, and I'm so excited about it. Bill Hader is playing Richie. What? Bill fucking Hader is going to play adult Richie, and I can't wait. It's perfect. That is fantastic. 
Bill fucking Hader from Superbad, Saturday Night Live, and everything wonderful in the world because he is just the best. Oh, man. Yep. I, I, that one was more, like, that one, when I predicted it, I wasn't saying, I think this is going to happen. I was saying, this is a long shot, but I hope it happens. And I'm so glad I'm right. Yep, me too. uh, The last one, they've casted Bill. They casted our main guy here. And it was left field, but I can see it working. Uh, Mr. James McAvoy. Really? Is playing Bill Denbro. Uh, Professor X himself. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah, it, it, like, I can see it working. I could see it. Never in a million years would have called that one, but... No, me either. This cast is rounding out, and I am... So, so we've only got two members of the Losers Club left to cast, right? Uh, ben and Mike, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, also, I know he might be a little too busy for it, but please, somebody, get Jordan Peele in here as Mike. It's too good. Oh my god, I never thought of that. I thought of that one a while ago, and I was like, yes, a million times over, yes, get Jordan Peele... Uh, you, I mean, you got this wonderful horror comedy. Who does horror and comedy as well as Jordan Peele? Like, right? Man, fucking do it. Uh, I don't know about Ben. I'm not sure. Like, I've heard people say Chris Pratt. I think Chris Pratt is too big a name. I think he would be very costly to get. Uh, yeah, I would like to see uh, Ben Foster. I think Ben Foster could do the role right. Um, which, he doesn't seem anything like young Ben, but that's sort of the route that character goes in the book. But, I, honestly, the way, the way they're casting this thing, like, anyone they pick is gonna be fine by me. Oh my god, yes. So yeah, that's exciting news. Um, that movie comes out next year as well. Like, I'm just going to take a tangent here. Like, not to say that I'm not excited for movies coming out in 2018, but 2019 looks to be one of the most exciting years of movies for me ever. Like, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is coming out, Hellboy is coming out, a new Jordan Peele movie, It Chapter 2. The new remake of Pet Cemetery, the next Avengers movie, uh, fucking Captain Marvel, like the Lego Movie two, like I, these are all the movies that I want, and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, like I'm almost finding like I don't get as hyped for certain movies anymore. Yeah. Like yeah, because. I'm just constantly hyped for the next movie coming out. Like, I saw Deadpool 2, and I know Solo is a week away. Yeah. There's a lot. And then, like, right after Solo, it's no time at all until Ant-Man and the Wasp. And between Solo and Ant-Man and the Wasp, you have Ocean's 8, Incredibles 2, and Jurassic World 2. Yeah, 
Exactly, like... It, it's just a barrage of movies coming at you. Yeah, like, you don't have time to come down off your little high of excitement. Oh, there, it's no such thing anymore. No. It's just, a, it's just an always high. And Yeah, it's just a steady stream. Speaking of exciting movies coming out next year, we got one more piece of news. Spider-Man Homecoming will be getting a sequel next year. And I don't know if it's official yet, but it looks like it's happening. The villain in that movie will be Mysterio, and he will be played by Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he might be a little too tall. What a... What am I hearing? <laughs> Rey Mysterio's entrance music. <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, are you watching WWE? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, okay. I was like, I, was like, I had that like, pulled up on my phone on Spotify since like two minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <sighs> Just waiting for it. I thought, I thought you had like a wrestling theme as your ringtone. <laughs> no. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal gonna play Mysterio in the next Spider-Man movie. And like number one, this is exciting because we're finally getting Mysterio. And if it's anything like the first Spider-Man, the with Tom Holland, it's gonna be fantastic. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah acts the shit out of everything he does. Yeah. I Plus, I mean, where they hinted at the Scorpion... Yeah, exactly. In the first one, having Mysterio and the Scorpion there is fantastic. Yep. Plus, we've had the Shocker. Vulture's still kicking around, and apparently he will be Vulture's in this movie. Like, could we be seeing the building towards, like, a Sinister Six? I really think so. Because especially with the villain choices that they're using. Yep. Yep. Like, pretty much all we need now is, like, Chameleon and Doc Ock. Yeah. Or Rhino, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there's one aspect of this that excites me that people are glossing over. Marvel, Which is? Uh, I think Kevin Feige or somebody like last year came out and said that the next Spider-Man movie will also be a team-up movie. We're getting Mysterio. Spider-Man and Doctor Strange met each other in Infinity War. I mean, come on. I I think yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think that's the route it's gonna go. Doctor Strange seems like he would fit into that world uh, and not only that but they have basically said that uh, the people who didn't the, the characters that didn't get a lot of screen time in Infinity War will be the more so the focus in the second or the, the fourth Avengers movie uh, Doctor Strange got a lot of screen time in the first one he probably won't get much in the second which means Benedict Cumberbatch will be free to film a Spider-Man movie and I mean, we haven't got a Doctor Strange sequel, so they got to put him in wherever they can. I really think that's the direction they're going, and I'm excited for that. 
What if it's not a character that they've already used? That's fine, too. Um, do you think they're ever going to turn Ned Leeds into the Hobgoblin? Oh, I don't know. That's really tough. It's hard to picture. But if anyone could do it, they can. Idea coming to mind, like, this isn't something I've fleshed out before, but this is something that's just hitting me now. What if, um, when, and spoiler alert for Infinity War, I mean, it's all over the fucking internet. Yeah. Like, what if, like, when half the world vanishes? Yep. What if Ned was one of the ones that vanished? Oh, okay. And when most people come back, people just don't know Ned is back. Oh. And that gives him time to become the Hobgoblin. Maybe. Or yeah. what if with everyone being gone and the global catastrophe that that is, yep. what if that drives Ned a little crazy? There's, you know what, the the Infinity War Fallout could in some way impact him and change his character a little bit. You have a point. Hmm. That is a good one. Because, I mean, like, you're living in a world where you just watched half the population evaporate. Yeah. And, like, we saw helicopters and cars crashing and, like, that world is going to be chaotic for the first little bit. Oh, yeah. And it's going to result in a very different place. Yep. So it's going to have some drastic impacts on people. What if one of those changes is Ned Leeds? Maybe it drives him crazy. Maybe he tries to become the hero to fill Peter's shoes. Yeah. And becomes the hobgoblin that way. Maybe he just never becomes the hobgoblin. Yeah. Lot, there's a lot of different roots. They've, they've planted a lot of seeds in that first Spider-Man movie and just in the world of Spider-Man in these movies. Like, or the team could be Miles Morales. Exactly. I, We've got I, the animated Spider-Man movie coming out. Yep. Which will make Miles more of a family name. And the PS4 Spider-Man game is going to include Miles as well. Exactly. And that's so, yeah. in Peter's absence, Miles steps up, and then when the wrongs of Infinity War are righted, there's two Spider-Men, so there's, you know, yeah. logically they team up. Huh. You know what? Uh... Like, I, I assumed Miles was coming at some point, but now that you mention it, that Spider-Man PS4 game comes out this year. That Spider-Man yep. animated movie comes out this year. They've yep. al- they've already been doing Miles Morales in the uh, Disney XD Spider-Man cartoon. They, yep. could, they could be setting up for Miles to be in the Spider-Man movie that comes out next year. Maybe they will, because, I mean, they've already hinted at it with uh, Donald Glover's yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I hope so. I'm excited for some Miles. Yeah, man. I think, like, 
can you imagine how crazy the fight scenes could be with two Spider-Man working together? Oh, man. That would be insane if done correctly. Yeah. That's what I want. I never knew I wanted it so much until <laughs> right now. Yeah. Well, that's it for the uh, the little bit of news there. Not a lot of news, but a lot of good news. So, um, I believe it is time to hop into the Jedi Dropouts mailbag. Uh, first time in a while that we've done the the open ended mailbag, any topic, sort of thing. Um. First off, I got a question that I threw in here because I realized we should probably talk about it. James, my question for the mailbag is, did you watch Batman Ninja? I sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually watched this one, too. Um, what'd you think? Um, I think it had its ups and downs. Yeah. It was very different. Oh, yeah. Very different. And in some of those ways, I loved it. And others, I was just like, really? Come on. Yeah. Um. Um. Some of the, like, I'm planning on doing a one-shot review of this movie. Yeah. Sometime in the next few weeks anyway. So I'll get more in detail with it then. And the review I do will have spoilers in it. Yep. Um, few things I can say right now. Yep. Without really giving spoilers or anything. Um, there were two different art styles in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And I enjoyed both. I enjoyed the art style for the majority of the movie, and I enjoyed the art style for the short period that involved one of my favorite DC characters at the moment. Okay, yeah. And then it transitioned back to the first art style. I, I enjoyed that very much. I thought Tony Hale was a surprisingly good Joker. Is that who voiced him? Yeah, Tony Hale from Arrested Development. Yeah, he, he did good, I gotta say. I really enjoyed that uh, that take on the Joker. Yeah. Um, <coughs> anyone who knows me and has talked about um, the Bat Family or the Batman like animated movies that have been released to date knows that I have a bit of a distaste for Damian Wayne. Yeah. Just because, like, He's so arrogant, and it's like, you watch Batman Bad Blood, and you can see that he still kind of holds Batman up on this pedestal. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, he he's fine. He's not being brain-controlled. But yet, like, he's still such a dickish little brat. Like, no matter what you do for him, he's so ungrateful. Yeah. Like, you help you help him out. I could have handled that. 
you're patching his wounds, I don't need help. Like, you could literally save his life, and he, he'll just be like, I'm the grandson of Rachel Ghoul and Batman. I don't need anybody. And then Batman does something for him. The person who he was just like, I'm the son of Batman. You know, throwing Batman around like Batman's like this great person that, you know, I'm the son of him, so I'm fantastic. But then when Batman himself does something for him, Damien's just like, I don't need you. And it's just like, fuck you, you entitled little shit. <laughs> but they took a different approach to Damien in this movie, and I, I enjoyed Damien yeah. in this movie. I enjoyed all of the Bat family in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of any character that I have any gripes about. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that just stood out to me, like, I don't watch all these movies. I watch maybe half of them, depending on what strikes my interest. This one definitely had me interested. And I honestly fucking love this. Uh, I really like that they went all in on the Japanese styling. Uh, they didn't really hold back with the Japanese art style and I I don't want to give away too many spoilers here but like they they do get in at, at, at some point in the movie there is at least a giant robot and uh, <laughs> I fucking love that they did that uh, yeah some of the stuff seemed a bit like some of the stuff was cool, but other things seemed a bit over the top to me. They were over the top, but, like, I feel like most of that was, was, um, I mean, maybe it's because I'm watching a hell of a lot of anime right now, so it seems pretty normal to me. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what it is. I'm like, yeah, of course there's giant robots. Why wouldn't there be? Um. But one thing I really, I really, really liked about this, one question that has been asked time and time again by people in discussion of Batman, uh, if you take away his toys, he's just a guy in a suit. And yeah. I have, like, I've never seen a Batman story do so well a job in taking away Batman's toys, his gadgets, and his city even just sticking him somewhere that isn't Gotham without access to everything that he normally has I thought it was I thought that was a really cool aspect to it uh, yeah but still like he was still reliant on things oh yeah for sure but I don't know I it I, I, I just I enjoyed that little bit of it uh, anyway I, I, I thought it was a fun movie I'm definitely looking forward to you doing a few, uh, full review on it <clears throat> uh, want to get into the actual mailbag uh, people sent questions in that aren't us <laughs> yeah okay uh, this one was a um, like barely a, a mailbag question, but I'll I'll say it anyway. Uh, Sarah Butler wants to know if she can be a guest star, and uh, she says she'll even wear her Batman onesie and bake cookies. So, fuck yes, she 
she can be a <laughs> yeah. guest star. First, Even if she wasn't going to bake cookies or wear the onesie, she could be a <laughs> guest star. But I love cookies, and yes, please. Yeah. A uh, few things here. First off, of course, of course, you can be a guest star. Um, if we can work out a schedule, we'll we'll do it. It's it'll be done. Uh, second, we're we're definitely looking into having some guest stars. Um, it's just a, a point of logistics and the fact that we're already skyping and having trouble getting uh, a proper podcast recording, being in different towns. Um, I want to say that for cookies. I would probably give up my half of this podcast. You could take over the podcast for for a batch of cookies. I, I'll I'd sell my fucking soul for a cookie, man. Um, <laughs> and the, the the one thing that like she did not ask at all, but I I need to know now. If okay okay a onesie is called a onesie because it is an entire outfit, and it is one piece, right? I mean, that's why it's called yeah. a onesie. It's one. And basically, like, you put this thing on, you zip it up, and you're good to go. If you've got to go to the grocery store, you got to go to a funeral, you got to go to church, what have you, you're, you're dressed to go, right? Um, so my question is... I would never go in a onesie, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, but if you had to, you could. Um, yeah. So my question is, if, if those are onesies... Are other outfits like twosies and threesies? Am I currently wearing a fivesie? Like, is that is that a term you can use? Whoa, 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 whoa! Fivesie? Socks count as two. Yeah, but are you counting socks individually? Yeah. Like, <laughs> each sock is it a is onesie and a twosie. I would imagine, yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> but you can't call a sock a pair of socks a twosie. Because, I mean, any anything that that <laughs> reveals your genitalia is probably not an outfit. Um, <laughs> at least by my standards, I don't know. Well, sir, I beg to differ. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess you could just throw on your left sock and call it a onesie if you want. <laughs> so, I guess the answer to the question is. So long as it's a traditional Batman onesie, yes. Um, probably not going to have any guests on the podcast just wearing the one sock, unless they want to Skype from the privacy of their own home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm only wearing one sock right now. I'm just chili peppering it. <laughs> That's not where I expected the fucking sock to be. God damn it. <laughs> That's not where those go, James. <laughs> Oh, uh, so <laughs> next question, maybe. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it rolling. Um, my fiance Charlotte uh, wants to know if we're as disturbed by that new Muppets movie as she is. Did you watch oh, the R-rated one? Did you watch the trailer for this thing? I have not yet. I plan to. The Happy Time Murders. It's probably what I'm going to watch while I'm getting something to eat when we're done recording this, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, okay, let me get into this, because this annoyed me. Um, this trailer 
the look of this movie does not disturb me. Uh, it is a very, very vulgar R-rated Muppets movie from the from the guy who directed Muppet Treasure Island, honestly. It's not like your traditional Muppets. You're not going to see Kermit in here. It's all new characters. But uh, I'm on board for a vulgar R-rated Muppets movie. Jim Henson wanted them to be for adults when he created them. Like, he never intended them to be just for kids. So I'm on board for that. But this trailer, yes. but this trailer doesn't have any fucking jokes in it. It is, like, the, the, the trailer pissed me off because the whole thing is just, hey, look, it's Muppets, but they're vulgar, and that's the joke. I'm sorry, but you gotta write some fucking jokes. Deadpool isn't funny, to relate it back here, just because it's vulgar. It's funny because it's clever. It uses its vulgarity to be funny. It's oh not... my god, like the references. Yeah, exactly. Even the Muppets, they're clever. They have good jokes. They're funny as shit. It's like... like, yes, the creative swearing in Deadpool. Yeah. Like, the line 200 pound sack of assholes. That's funny. Yeah, but exactly. My favorite line in the first Deadpool movie is when Colossus says, We're taking you to see the professor. And he responds with, McAvoy or Stewart? I love that. Like Right? Like, the fourth wall breaks yeah. are what make Deadpool funny. The swearing, great. Fits the character. But yeah. you can make Deadpool work without the vulgarity. Yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I was holding back on spoilers, but, like, you know what? I, it's a trailer. So I'm just going to say it. One of the punchlines... And literally, like, the end of the entire trailer, the punchline to this trailer is that there is an extended scene, it's maybe, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds, of a Muppet coming all over the walls. No, There's no joke, there's no punchline, it is just supposed to be funny because it is a Muppet coming. There's, like, there's no pun, there's no funny line, there's no delivery... That's that's the joke. Uh, I don't like the the thing about this movie is it it like as much as I am so on board for the idea, it just looks like you could put in any shitty comedian and you've got any shitty comedy that's come out within the last five years. Like it's really disappointing because I was very excited for this movie. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's a disappointing, air quotations, punchline. Yeah. Like, if, if I wanted to watch something with a hand up its ass ejaculating, I'd just rewatch what I did by myself on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, fuck. And you know what? You know what? There is... You, it took more writing and cleverness to come up with that one line you just said than that entire fucking trailer. Because... There's no jokes. There's no fucking jokes. You can't have a Muppet yeah. movie with no jokes. The joke is not just their Muppets. It's stupid. It's... Uh, God. I have a lot of pent-up rage. I, I, I am a sworn protector of the Muppets. And this is just <laughs> not right. <laughs> this is blasphemy. It, man. Oh, well. It is what it is, I guess. 
At least we'll always have Meet the Feebles. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of that. It's an early Peter Jackson movie, and it's got a bunch of Muppety sort of puppets uh, dealing with drug addictions and sexually transmitted diseases, and it's very disturbing. Nice. Yeah. Those are my favorite types of things. Mm-hmm. From the director of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Who also did Dead Alive. Yeah, it was that era. He did a movie called... Fuck, I think it was called, like, Bad Taste? Or was that... I forget, because Dead Alive had two titles. He's got this really weird early one that I forget what it's about. He's got the puppet one with the STDs, and he's got his basic, like, his version of Evil Dead, which is just one of the, like, one of the bloodiest horror comedies ever made and then he was like you know what I think I'm gonna make movies about hobbits now um yeah so I I think Dead Alive lives up to its tagline of the goriest fright film of all time yeah definitely uh that lawnmower scene oh my god yep we're gonna have to get into Dead Alive sometime yeah it's a fun movie yeah please um speaking of disturbing um Matt Pike uh, has written in time and time again. He asked three questions for this mailbag. We're only going to do one of them. And the reason why is the other two were video game related. And honestly, our next episode is all about video games. And we were going to do a video game specific mailbag. So Matt, you already got two questions in for the next episode. Uh, But... The one we are doing today, Matt wants to know, what movie do you regret watching because it was too disturbing? Or, sorry, it was so disturbing. Hmm. You got anything here? Uh, I mean, Meet the Feebles <laughs> could actually fall under that. It's a pretty fucking disturbing movie. Um, the one that... Son of the Mask. What? Son of the Mask? Son of the Mask. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen all the Twilight movies. That was pretty disturbing. Um, I don't know if a movie has ever disturbed me that much. I got, um, I got one. I got one. Uh, it's a movie called Salo, or The 120 Days of Sodom. Uh, weird movie, <laughs> to say the least. It involves a bunch of rich people uh, enslaving a bunch of people, forcing them to have sex with each other and eat shit, and I don't really know what the point of it was. Uh, Definitely watched too many people eating literal shit, and do not recommend it. That's fair. Yep. That's the most I have there. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever watched anything that's disturbed me like that. Have you seen Twilight? Um, what? Have you seen Twilight? No. It's, no, it's pretty disturbing. I've seen them all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh. Oh. Um... I think I have one. Okay. 
just for a specific scene. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean that counts. Carry to the rage. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Doing a quick Google search, what year this movie came out? But I believe I was still in. Um, this came out in nineteen ninety nine. Okay. So I was 12 years old when it came out. Yeah. And this was also around the time I watched it. I was like 12, 13. Yeah. And there's a scene in this movie where um, Rachel, I believe her name is, who is supposed to be Carrie's daughter, who has similar abilities, is confronting, like, she's confronting some of her tormentors, and they're stood next to a swimming pool. Okay. And one of them has, like, a harpoon gun type thing. Yep. But she uses her abilities to, like, make him aim at his friend and shoot his friend with the harpoon gun. But he shoots his friend in the crotch. Oh. Good. And the harpoon, you later see, like, if memory serves me correctly, and I haven't seen this movie since, like, 1999, 2000, and this has stuck with me. But you see, like, basically his shish-kebobbed genitals on the harpoon, like, floating in the pool. Wow. Good times, good times. Yeah, and that has stuck with me for fucking 18 years. Yeah. Um, you know, so thank you, Matt, for making me relive that. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it now, <laughs> uh, one that doesn't disturb me at all anymore, but definitely had an impact on me as a kid, uh, 13 Ghosts. I love that movie. I still love that movie. I, I love it now, now that I've gone back to it, but I only went back last year, and that was... The first time I tried to watch it again after it was in theaters, it it was probably the movie that had the biggest impact on on like fear outside of the movie, because yeah. that uh, the, in one of the opening scenes with uh, the bloody up girl in the bathtub. Yeah. After watching, after I, I didn't watch the whole movie. I left the movie early. I went to the theater. I couldn't finish it. I had to leave. I got scared. I mean, I was I was pretty young, um, but every single time I went to the bathroom as a kid, I had to check behind the shower curtains because of that movie. And I mean, I did that for a long time. I was probably out of high school by the time I stopped being able to do that. Like it fucking it scared me a little and watching it now it's like oh it's, it's stupid it's not even scary but I guess I was so young that like it really fucked me up a little bit and I always thought there was something in the shower because of that movie weirdly not because of Psycho but <laughs> uh, and uh, another one I haven't seen but uh, have you heard of this movie, a Serbian film? I think I've heard of it. I I don't want to watch it. Never seen it. I know some of the stuff that happens in this movie, 
it sounds like the most disturbing thing ever made, and I just I I have no interest in seeing any of it. It it sounds too fucked up. It sounds way beyond what I want in a movie. Um, we got one more question. Uh, Mitchell Clark, my co-host from Final Form, wants to know. Okay, okay. Uh, background here. Uh, remember back in the eighties and nineties, um, we'd always get like cartoons and toy lines and video games based on movies that weren't actually movies for kids. Best example yeah. probably being RoboCop or The Terminator, right? Yep. Mitchell wants to know what R-rated movie we would currently turn into a cartoon or a toy line, that sort of thing. Hmm. Like, Deadpool seems like the most obvious answer, but obviously it's because you just watched Deadpool 2 and we've already been talking about it, and it's on the brain, right? Yeah. Uh, the other one that pops to my head, and that's probably because it's like one of my favorite movies, Kingsman maybe? Like Kingsman could work? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Like you'd have to tone it down. You'd have to change everything about it. But I can see kids gravitating towards Eggsy and and Harry maybe. Yeah, there's something there. It's hard because you like you really need that iconic like RoboCop would not have sold to kids if it wasn't such an iconic badass character. Yes. Which is what made Even it work. It was nowhere near suitable for children. Oh my god. I didn't see that until I was in my 20s. And that scene where, like, like where uh, before he's RoboCop, I don't remember the character's name, but when he gets shot up, it's fucking brutal. Alice Murphy. What? You talking character or actor? Character. It's Alex Murphy. Alex Murphy. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, man, he gets shot to shit. Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. It is they insane. Peter Weller up. Oh, my God. Like, no wonder they had to make a robot of the guy. There's nothing left to him. Like, yeah. But, yeah. Even like, Family Guy did a spoof of that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I can remember that them doing that. Um, yep. So, like, you need a... Uh, what's a, a badass character these days that's definitely not suitable for kids? Like John Wick, <laughs> would we make a John Wick cartoon? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I I guess like it'd be funny. It'd be funny just for the hilarity of it. I mean, Pennywise. Pennywise. Jay and Silent Bob. They've already made Jay and Silent Bob toys, though. Yeah, they did. Did they make them for kids? Did they do that? I mean, they're colorful and silly looking. That's true. That's true. Uh, Pennywise. Yeah, Pennywise could work. That's true. Yep. Pennywise and the Losers Club. Yeah. Yeah, just tone it down and make a little cartoon out of it. I don't know. It could be like it could yeah. be like those tricks commercials. 
Silly Pennywise. The Barons aren't for aren't for clowns. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, that's all I've got, and that that is the end of our mailbag for today. For another episode. For another episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I love doing the mailbag. I always love the mailbag. It's... I love flying blind into the mailbag. Yeah, me too. Like, even though I'm the one compiling the questions, I really don't give it much thought until we get in the episode because it's just so much more fun that way. Uh, so, we're going to follow a tried-and-true segment of the show with uh, something a little different. I don't know if this is going to work, but... We're gonna we're gonna try it and just this is an experiment. Let's, we're gonna see how this goes. Uh, the idea of this next segment is instead of coming out with a theme for a top five list and each coming up with their separate answers, we decided to each come up with a top five list and just just discuss them. You've got a top five list that I don't know about. I have a top five list that you don't know about. And let's see how this goes. Let's just give it a shot. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I can go first. Okay, go for it. What do you What do you got? What do you, What do you have for us today? So for today, I decided I was going to do my top five Pokemon generation. Oh, okay. I like that. So we've got seven gens. Mm-hmm. And so there's two that are not going to make my list. Yeah. These are, I'm not saying like, like some may be like more, how do I phrase this? They might have better reviews. They might be more favored by the critics. These are just my personal favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. These are totally personal lists. Yeah, it's completely subjective. Yeah. Okay. So number five, I said Gen 1. Ooh. Wow. I okay. love me Gen 1. It's what I started with. But for me to go back and play Gen 1 now, it's not the same. So uh, are these based on the Pokemon from the generations, the games, or just a sort of a combination? Uh, these are based on what Pokemon are available in the generations, like the overall gameplay, the replay value. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, number five, I said Gen 1. Yeah. I mean, it's classic, nostalgic, but after playing some of the later uh, additions to the series, the franchise... There are some things like I miss, like once you get the ability to run yeah. in later Pokemon games, the slow movement of Gen 1, really like you're just like, oh, come on, run, run, run. Yeah, I hear you there. And there's a lot of Pokemon I like that are outside of Gen 1, so that kind of takes away from it a little bit. Plus, Certain Pokemon were really broken in Gen 1. Yeah. Like, super overpowered. Like, um, 
special attack and special defense were just they were compacted to one stat called special. Yeah. And so Pokemon like Alakazam were tanks. There was no dark type back then. There was uh, very few bug type attacks. So and ghost type attacks were pretty much just nightshade, which yeah. does a fixed amount of damage based on your level. Yeah. So all the types that are super effective against psychics right now. Yep. Like, they were basically non-existent. Yeah. Um, so unless you had a Jolteon or a very high-level Beedrill that knew Twin Needle, like, there weren't really any super effective moves against Alakazam or Mewtwo. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same with the three dragon types in the game. Like, the only thing you're going to get that's super effective against them is Ice, really. Yeah. But that and critical attacks uh, went based off of speed. So, again, Pokemon like Alakazam with a sky-high speed stat, who already has, like, a jacked-up special stat, he's going to outspeed most of your Pokemon, and then he's more likely to get crit on top of that because he's so fucking bad. So, Gen 1, I do love it. It does have a lot of nostalgia, but it also has a lot of holes yeah. after playing the later gen. Uh, I want to come in for one second and just say that um, I think when I played the old Pokemon games, I never cared for ghost types. And yeah. the additions and changes they've made uh, have, like, literally when I played Pokemon X, Gengar was my fucking favorite, and he's become one of my favorite Pokemon based on using him in a later game. Hell yeah. So, I definitely see what you're saying there with the... His new moves, abilities, like, stuff like that, like, completely changed yeah. how certain Pokemon were used. Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, Pokemon from Gen 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, for number 4, I said Gen 2. Okay, yep. Um... This one almost made it higher on the list, but I'll get into that more in a second. Um, Gen 2, it was a step up from Gen 1. Okay, yeah. Literally just a step up. Yeah. It added 100 new Pokemon. You got to play through two regions, because after you finished Johto, you got to go and blaze through Kanto, and then you got to go, like, have that iconic fight with Red up on top of Mount Silver. Like, it was great. Gen 2, I played a lot on my Game Boy Color back in the day. Like, when Gen 2 first came out, and my parents would, like, make me go to bed as a child, I would usually have my Game Boy Color and a flashlight hit under my pillow <laughs> so I could play Pokemon Silver. Nice. Yeah, like I played the shit out of this game as a kid. Yeah. Uh, number three, I said Gen 6. Gen 6 being which games? Uh, that would be XY, uh, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. Okay, yeah. Um, I loved the 3D aspects of these games, like 
how they introduced that. It looked fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed the regions. I didn't play a lot of um, Ruby, Sapphire, or Emerald okay. when they were out on the Game Boy Advance. Yep. So most of my experience with that region came from Gen 6. I thought like they like stuff they did in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire with the Aeon flute where like fly almost became obsolete. Like you could just call your Latios or Latias and literally fly around the region. Yeah. Like I loved that. It was so fun. Um I liked how it gave you the ability to capture some of the older gen legendaries by finding like the wormholes and stuff like that or like little portal things they were just fun games oh yeah plus um starters were good i also liked how it added that when you caught pokemon you would get experience as well instead of just beating them yeah which really helped with grinding because like you're trying to grind up your team and like you're running in, especially early game. And you're trying to like fill out your team before you get to the first gym, but you're running into the, all these new Pokemon that you want to catch. But then like in the earlier gens, you'd catch these Pokemon, but then you weren't getting experience for them. So it would just take even longer to grind. So the fact that you still get experience from catching Pokemon was a great addition to this generation, in my opinion. Yeah. Loved it. Awesome. Um, number two, I said Gen 4. You're going to have to remind me which is which here. <laughs> I'm not that good with yep. the generations. Uh, Gen 4 is Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, Heart Gold, and Soul Silver. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Um, like I said, I love Gen 2. So when they remade the Gen 2 games, um, Silver and Gold in Gen 4, basically just like updated them. Like It was basically just like an improvement on Gen 2 when they did those games. Yeah. I have no complaints about that. And uh, Gen 4... Like, I I love the region of Pearl, Platinum, and um, Diamond. Okay. The legendaries are great, especially in Platinum when you go into the distortion world to get Giratina. I love that aspect of the game. Um, yeah, like, really the only complaint I have about Gen 4 that stops Gen 4 from being my favorite gen is the fact that you cannot re... It's the last generation where you weren't able to reuse TMs. Technical machines are still single-use. Oh, okay. Yep. Which brings me to my number one, Gen 5. A lot of people either love Gen 5 or hate Gen 5 based on like my experience and the conversations I've had. Yeah. This is white, black, white 2, black 2. It's funny, I have, like, so little experience in the Pokemon games compared to you, but we have the same number one, because Pokemon White 
is probably the only Pokemon game that would really get to my top video games I've ever played. I love the shit out of that game. Right? Like... Now, like, I love the region. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that... Um, when you play white versus white two, like you're almost like working your way backwards through the region when you play the sequels. Yeah. Um, I was looking at a list I did of like, cause I did this quiz online and I screenshotted my results and it was like, pick your favorite Pokemon of every type. I was looking at a lot of my favorite Pokemon and the majority of my favorites actually came from Gen 5. Yep. And a lot of people complained about, like, you know, Pokemon's about, like, catching them all. And in Gen 5, when you're playing, like, black and white, all the Pokemon in this region are the new Pokemon for this region. Like, they created X number of Pokemon, put them in the game, but, like... You can't catch Pokemon from older generations when you're doing it. But I kind of like that because when you're, like, if, like, I'll use Gen 7 as an example. If you're like, oh, man, there's, like, let's just throw a number out there and say 80 new Pokemon. And you're turning on the game for the first time and you're so excited to get out there and see what these new monsters are and catch them and try using them. And then you get it, you get your starter and you run it on the first route and you run into Pidgey. You run into Weedle. Oh my God. You run into Slowpoke. Okay. You run into Wingull from Gen 3. Yeah. Like, you're looking for these new monsters your first time playing, and you're so excited to see what's new. And, like, games like Gen 7 are just throwing so much of the old at you. Yeah. But with Gen 5, the only Pokemon you're able to find are the new monsters. And I, like, you know, that's it made me experience these new creatures instead of just being like, okay, yeah, there's new Pokemon, but I know I like these ones. I know I like, I'm good with these old ones. I have strategies with these old ones. So like, there are still a bunch of Pokemon in Gen 7 that I've never played with. Yeah. Because I just keep going back to my old faithfuls. And when I want to evolve these Pokemon that are new, I literally just slap on the experience share, get them to hold the lucky egg and stick them in the back of my party and just keep using my old reliables. Gen 5, part of the reason why I think a lot of my favorite Pokemon come from that generation is the fact that it forced me to use new Pokemon. It forced me to have that new experience. Um. You know what's really funny about Gen 5 with me? What's that? I don't... uh, I don't have a favorite starter. At all. Because... I definitely do. uh, And I was talking about this with someone actually last week. But um, one of my few 
future top fives that I'm planning on doing for another episode is I'm going to do my five favorite starter Pokemon. Okay, nice. Starter lines, I should say, because yeah. I'm not just going to have, like, number five, Charmander, number three, Charizard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to do my top five starter line. And so three starters per gen, seven generations, that's 21 starter line. Yeah. So I've narrowed it down to five, and I will say there is at least one from Gen 5 on that list. Um, I think I've told this story before, but when I started playing White, I it was it was stupid, but like um, Charlotte had started playing the game, and I was curious about it, and she was like, eh, I'm not really feeling it right now, so you can just play my game or whatever. And she had gotten... Nowhere. She had not even started the first boss. But instead of restarting the game, I just picked it up and started playing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the starter she had. Um, what's the grass type in that one? Uh, Snivy. Yes, yeah, Snivy. I never got any use out of Snivy. Snivy did not, uh, was not in my party. It got put away. And I like evolved it a few times, and I just couldn't figure out how to use it right. And so I haven't used the other two. I haven't really seen much of them, and I didn't get any use out of the one that I had. So I played that whole game basically without a starter. And so I like even though that is easily my favorite Pokemon game, I don't know the starters in it, and that's kind of a weird uh, contrast. Yeah. yeah. I, feel, I still think that's cool. Like, so many people get super reliant on their starter Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Like, they pretty much, like, play through the entire game just using their starter. And they'll pretty much only switch to other Pokemon if their starter faints or needs to be healed. And they'll just, like use that Pokemon's turn to heal their starter, let that Pokemon faint, and switch their starter back in. Yeah. There are many times where I will ditch my starter. Yeah, fair enough. Once I find, like, a Pokemon that I would prefer. Yeah. I will say, a lot of the time... I don't gravitate towards the water starter because there are more water Pokemon than any other type. Yeah. And it's usually so early in the game that you get the fishing rod. Yep. And Magikarp are fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah. Two Pokemon that are fucking everywhere once you can surf and fish are Magikarp and Tentacool. Yep. And level 20, Magikarp becomes Gyarados. Yeah, and Gyarados is fucking badass. Exactly. And I have completed several playthroughs with the Tentacruel in my party. Nice. Water poison type, like, so many grass type Pokemon have, like, the draining moves, like Mega Drain and Giga Drain. If you manage to find a Tentacool with the Liquid Ooze ability, if a Grass-type Pokemon or, well, really any 
type Pokemon because it's not just grass types. It's just grasses effective against water types. Yeah. But if they try and use a draining move on you and you have the Liquid Ooze ability, it, you'll still take damage. But rather than them regaining health, what they drained off you, they'll take damage. Yeah. Which is a great strategy. Oh, yeah. So you can, there's an abundance of water type Pokemon. And you can find them so early in the game that, I don't know, I never really gravitated towards the water starters unless, you know, that gen has a particularly fantastic water starter. Yeah. It's usually fire or grass. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I end up going with water a lot of the time because I really like some of the water starters. Um, That's fair. But, like, Gen 6 Greninja is so fucking cool. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, so that's my top five. Yeah. Uh, no, I really enjoyed that. That was cool. See, this this uh, format, this, uh, this segment, how whatever we do here, uh, it gives us a chance to talk about things that the other might not know about, even though, like, I could pitch in on the conversation a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't have much of an answer for that list. I don't know if I've played five Pokemon games. Yeah. Like, I'd have to round out my list with, like, Pokemon Snap and <laughs> shit like that. Like, <laughs> is that a generation? Does that count? Um... I mean... <laughs> Really, if it's your list, you make the rules. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, we're going from pocket monsters to giant monsters. Um, my list is the top five giant monsters in movies. Um, Ooh. Because I've been watching... I've been, I've been really going back and watching, like, old Godzilla movies and a lot of the... Um, uh, what is the uh, Toho? The Toho monster movies that were kind of centered around Godzilla, and uh, it's just been sort of on my mind lately. So I figured this could be a fun little list to throw together. Um, so let's, I'm just gonna hop right in here. Uh, number five is the one I've probably seen the least of out of this list, um, but I had to put in at least one of the Godzilla rivals that show up in all of his movies. Uh, so I went with King Ghidorah. Yep. Uh, King, King Ghidorah nice. is his name. He is the giant, golden, flying, three-headed dragon you might recognize. Um, I currently have a background of Godzilla fighting King Ghidorah on my phone right now. And... Uh, Apparently he's showing up in the next Godzilla movie. Uh, That's fantastic. I haven't seen a, a, a whole lot of him. He could be higher on this list, but like, I've only seen him in a handful of movies. I've never seen the solo Ghidorah movies yet, but I will get there. And I do think he's the most badass of the Godzilla rivals. I know a lot of people are all about Mothra, but uh, for me, giant monsters, they need to be towering. I really like a t something that can tower over a city, and I don't know. Mothra doesn't do it the same way for me. It doesn't have the same effect. 
number four, something I was very skeptical about for a long time, but I've recently kind of turned over a new leaf with. Uh, I went with just all the different kaiju from Pacific Rim. Nice. Uh, I didn't like this movie for a long time and after getting more into Guillermo del Toro and then more into classic monster movies and going back to this movie seeing what this guy does in his movies and what he was aiming for it's it's a much better movie in that light like he's clearly just paying homage to the classic Toho monster movies um I mean, Charlie Hunnam is probably the sore spot in this one. He's a little bit wooden. But the monster design is so fucking cool. And he's got, like... Like, there's, like, a dozen different monsters in this thing. Uh, I mean, there's one with, like, an axe for a head. And there's the the electric one that they fight out in the ocean. And uh, that big boss one at the end that's, like... It's too almost too big for its own wings to carry it. Uh, I don't know, man. Like uh, they, I, I really like the monster design, but like Del Toro does monster design so fucking well. Anyway, it's not his first time. Uh, the monsters in Hellboy, and I mean uh, some of the designs from like uh, Pan's Labyrinth and shit. Like I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a really fun one, and uh, I haven't seen the sequel yet. No, me either. I got to get around to watching that. John Boyega looks like he's going to be a vast improvement. Um, number three on the list. I had I had to do it. I had to put it in there. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh my God! Yes. Right. Like. It, no, it's not your classic monster, but my god, it's so much fun. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. I, I I will always laugh at the build-up to that scene where uh, Dan Aykroyd's character is just... He's stunned at his own stupidity about... Yep. I, I closed my eyes and he was just there. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember the exact line he says there, but it's so fucking funny that he can't keep his mind blank. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man pops into his head, and suddenly they're fighting the towering Marshmallow Man that is crashing through their city. Uh, I, honestly, probably the greatest giant monster movie scene ever made. It is just so fucking fantastic. Oh my god, yes. So... Two spots left. Obviously, we know who those two are. Uh, it's just a matter of what order. So, a king and a god. What? A king and a god. A king and a god. Yep. Uh, and and the gods going over the king. I went King Kong number two, Godzilla number one. That's very fair. I can't argue with that at all. Uh, I'm not, like... I'm not a huge King Kong fan. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy King Kong movies. It's just... There aren't as many. And a giant gorilla will never do for me what a giant fucking, like, lizard monster that breathes, like, (laughs) hyper beams 
and comes from the ocean like that it's just a different level for me uh yeah king kong is on the list more so as a legacy thing like he was probably the first really like king kong predates godzilla uh and revolutionized the genre and he's still a lot of fun like kong skull island was a fucking blast Oh my god, it was a great movie. It still wasn't as good to me, it didn't do as much for me, as the 2014 Godzilla movie that's set in the same universe. And yeah, it's enti- It's not at all because of the movie that was made. I feel like they might have done a better job on Skull Island, but just monster versus monster, Godzilla's always going to hold my interest more. So long as it's not that fucking Matthew Broderick movie. Because goddamn it, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that movie. Uh, there's actually a, a really funny thing where they did this movie in 2000 f- fuck I, I think it might have been 2004 it's called, called Godzilla Final Wars and they put everybody in there Godzilla, Ghidorah Rodan, Mothra and the uh, the 90's American Godzilla shows up and I think they just call him Zilla in in Japan. Uh, anyway, he shows up and almost immediately gets fucking destroyed. As just a shot at like your Godzilla fucking sucks. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was really fucking funny. I enjoyed that Got a lot. It. So yeah, that's my list. That's those are my giant monsters. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Rodan and Mothra. They didn't quite make the list, but I haven't seen as much of them. Uh, I also saw and like mentioned around on some of the the lists of greats the Kraken, which has been featured in, I mean, countless movies. Uh, but the crack like like I said, I like a giant monster to be towering, and as cool as the the classic Kraken attacking a ship from the water is, uh, a towering monster will always do more for me. Yeah. And I can't. Well, I mean, oh. One thing about Godzilla versus the Kraken, like like you said, Godzilla comes from the ocean. Yeah. So Godzilla's good land, sea, or air. Yeah. Like Kraken is only good in the water. Exactly. Easy solution. Get on land. <laughs> Nothing yep. to it. Uh, exactly. I highly recommend the movie Shin Godzilla. It came out, uh, I don't know what the original release date, it was a year or two ago, Japanese, and, uh, they released the English dub of it last year, I think. Um. Okay. It's it's the Toho Company, the guys who make all the Godzilla movies. And this movie is so fucking good, like, it it shows the, the quick progressing evolution of Godzilla, where... You've got Godzilla attacking from the water. He emerges. He's on all fours. He grows and slowly walks on on two feet or on two legs, and like he just get it gets bigger and stronger as the movie goes on. And I fucking love the design of this Godzilla. It's so fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait for the next Godzilla movie next year. 
And then the Godzilla versus King Kong movie that they're working on, crossover of the 2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island. I just love big monsters. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> this is just an excuse for me to talk about big monsters. That's all this was. And that's my list. And uh, I think this segment went pretty well. I enjoy this. This is yeah, pretty good. I'm probably going to have to do this again. Yes, please. Uh, maybe next time we'll I don't know never, I, I, never mind, never mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about our, our top five um, top five bodily fluids we don't want to see coming out of a Muppet uh, <laughs> anyway uh, do you want to talk about Deadpool 2? No, not really. No. So, uh, I guess the first thing to ask is, uh, how was Deadpool 2? I enjoyed it very much so. Um, I didn't find it as funny as the first one. Okay. But, it was still great. Like, it wasn't, like, it's, you're not going to see this movie purely for the comedy. No, of course. No, no. It's like it's a fucking comic book movie. It's a superhero movie. It's not The Hangover. Like, if I said like The Hangover Two wasn't as funny as the first Hangover, that would be a criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Saying Deadpool Two wasn't as funny as the first Deadpool, that's just a comment. Yep. Yep. Because, um, yes, these movies are meant to be decently funny, but there's a lot more to them than that. Of course. I did laugh quite a bit. Uh, there was one part where I very nearly cried. Oh. Oh. Yep. And, yeah, I I very much enjoyed this movie. There are a bunch of new characters, and some that I was familiar with from my childhood, and others that were completely new. So, I don't know uh, how into spoilers we want to get. We're going to do that in a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what else to touch on in terms of... I mean, this is like, this is more of the same, I guess. Um, if you like the first one, you're probably gonna like this one. Um, I, I'm assuming with all the additions to the movie in terms of characters, uh, I'm guessing they make a lot of team-up movie jokes, perhaps. Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm assuming some Avengers, X-Men sort of jokes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of expected that was the direction it was going. Um, so, I guess we should just get into spoilers. Uh, I guess in summation, two thumbs up from you, James? Yeah. 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 Two thumbs up. Definitely. Uh, I guess we, we kind of needed our own like Jedi Dropouts scale, like... I don't know. Um, how many slices of good pizza? 
Uh, um, I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess, w- w- eight slices are is a full pizza, right? Eight slices is a twelve-inch pie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, eight. I'll, a- give, I'll give this movie. I'll give this movie six and a half slices. Actually, seven slices. Mm-hmm. No, I'm trying to figure out a scale to like, instead of being like six and a half, be like six, six and a half. Just even the crust of the sixth yeah. piece. So there's just like one slice and just the crust from the seventh. Yeah, six and a crust. <laughs> yeah, six and a crust. Yeah. There we go. There's so a, I'm going to give this six and a crust. There's a lot of ways you could do it. You can, you can almost change it. You could go six and a crust, six and a bite. Six, yep. six, and some toppings. You could steal somebody's toppings after slice, which is like one of the worst acts a human being could commit. Um, yeah. <laughs> unless that person doesn't like toppings, in which case it's a win-win, and you found yourself a life partner. Uh, oh yeah. So, yeah, we'll. Uh, six and a crust. Yeah, six and a crust. That's a scale. We're gonna we're gonna continue that. It's gonna that's gonna be our thing. The yep. good pizza scale. I like yep. that. Pizza scale. Six yeah. and a crust. Yeah. But I mean, six and a crust is most of a pizza. That's some damn good pizza. You're eating most of that pizza, man. Oh, yeah. I don't waste my time on, on bad pizza. I w- I'd go get that pizza again tonight. Damn right. Actually, I might go get that pizza again tonight. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're talking about actual pizza, the movie, or both. All of the above. A little column A, a little from column B. <laughs> uh... Okay. No, uh, I may go see Deadpool two again tonight, depending on what my plans end up being. I'm jealous, and I can't wait to get my hands on that movie. Um, so if you don't want to hear spoilers for this movie, and there are a couple, um, I don't even think I know all of them. But uh, if you don't want to hear them, if you want to walk into this movie spoiler free, then consider this the end of the episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You know where to find us. Uh, com and all those other funky places on the internet where they do the podcasts and stuff. Uh, and spoilers in three, two, one. Okay. Uh, so, first off... A certain character I may have predicted last year that you may or may not be, like, the biggest fan I know of, um, appears in this movie? Uh, Juggernaut is in this movie. And that's so fucking cool. Oh, I was so happy. Really, really proud I called that one last year. Um, got some bragging rights there. You definitely did. Uh, Which, it was great. Seeing a Colossus Juggernaut fight oh, was... Yeah. Oh, sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might as well tell me, I, I don't care that much about spoilers, because this is one of those movies that it just is not going to be ruined by spoilers for me. Uh, there's a couple deaths, if I'm not mistaken... 
permanent or not, uh, I don't know, but... Probably the most impactful death of the movie is uh, Vanessa. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of sends Wade into a bit of a spiral. Okay. That sounds interesting. That makes sense. And he kind of gets fixated on wanting to die. Okay. Because, you know, he misses her. Yeah. But because of his healing factor, he cannot die. Oh, man. That's a, that's a good angle. So because of his abilities, he's, you know, yeah. forced to live the rest of his life without the woman he loves. Yeah. And... So, he tries to kill himself. Yep. It doesn't work. Winds up at the X-Mansion with Colossus trying to once again convince him to join the team. Yep. Which is where we are reintroduced to Negasonic. Of course. And her girlfriend. Yes, I heard about that. And... Every time they are on screen, like, Wade comments on how good they look together and stuff like that. And Negasonic's her still, like, sullen, like, uh, type personality, like, giving Wade the finger. But her partner is much more, like, happy and upbeat and is always like, Hi, Wade! Okay. So, you know, opposites tracked in that way. Of course, yep. Um, but while Colossus is trying to recruit Deadpool, that's when uh, they get called to the Essex House, which is kind of like a boarding house for young mutants. Yeah. Because there's a standoff between a young mutant and least and as the standoff is coming to a close it's like okay do you want to go to the ice box which is a prison for mutants where you'll be forced to wear a collar that suppresses your abilities or do you want to go back to this boarding house that you have half destroyed and the kid chooses to go to the icebox because apparently the um, staff at the boarding house have been mistreating the mutants and like abusing and experimenting and stuff. Huh. Which is where Cable comes in. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. So Cable comes back in time to try and kill this kid. Okay. Because because I'm like just tearing through spoilers here. Yeah. But um, basically in the future this kid has turned into a supervillain and has killed hundreds and hundreds of people including Cable's family. Oh. Huh. And it all starts from when he gets sprung from the icebox 
and returns to the Essex house and takes his first life when he gets revenge on the staff of the house that were, you know, okay. torturing and experimenting on. Yeah. When he gets a taste for murder and decides he likes it. Huh. So Cable comes back with the plan to, you know, kill this kid. So Wade gets himself arrested and Wade and the kid end up being cellmates in the icebox wearing collars that suppress their abilities. And Wade, without his healing factor, is gone into, like, you know, he's sick. Yeah. So he's, like, throwing up and he's just miserable. Like, he has end-stage cancer and he's just the kid is trying to be all like, come on, we're partners, we're friends. Let's go find the biggest guy in here and put him in his place and assert our dominance in prison. And Wade is just like, we're not friends. Just, I'm, I'm suffering. Just let me die in peace. So I can finally die and I can be reunited with Vanessa. But... Um, Shit starts going down at the prison. Uh, Wade and the kid both get beat up by Black Tom Cassidy and his crew. Yep. And it keeps hinting at, like, these big doors here, that's where the big dog in the prison is. Solitary confinement, maximum security, that's the big dog. Yeah. So when Wade says, like, he's not the kid's friend, the kid decides okay, well, that whoever's in there is who I need to be for, who's who I need to be friends with in order to, you know, survive prison. Yeah. And so he, like, starts, like, during a few, like, riots and stuff like that, the kid, like, sneaks down there and, like, starts, like, slipping extra food in under the door in through the little slot to whoever's in this room and they do he's like we need a secret code knock and so the kid like knocks on the door and he's like and then you hear just like, boom boom like in response yeah like fuck whoever's in there is big and strong yeah anyway there's shit going down and like half the prison is destroyed because cable shows up and tries to kill the kid but they end up what like they end up warding cable cable off Ugh, stumbling on my words a little bit so they decide that they're gonna transfer a bunch of the inmates so Deadpool throws together the X-Force to try and rescue the kid from the transport from cable yep. and cable's like okay I'm going to take down this convoy and get the kid yeah so Wade throws together his team which includes uh, Peter Domino Banisher um, Star Shatter and I can't remember the last guy's name but he spits acid yeah Played by Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, and like they've got like a pretty impressive crew of actors there. Like Bill Skarsgård, Terry Crews is there, isn't he? Yes, 
Terry Crews. I forgot about Terry Crews' character. Yeah. Seems like there's one more I'm forgetting, but I don't know. I'm just blanking. Um, there's that certain big actor who appears at some point. Is he part of that? Yes. Brad Pitt? Yep. That's fucking Because ins- the entire time Vanisher's there is Vanisher's invisible. Like, even when they're jumping out of the jet to go get the convoy. Yeah. Vanisher just looks like a floating parachute pack. Okay. And it's not until Deadpool was warned about the severe wind... And he was like, "We're superheroes. We're not care. We don't care about wind." Yeah. And then the wind starts blowing them as they're parachuting off course, and they all start dying tragically. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Vanisher, as a just parachuting backpack, yep, ends up hitting some power lines and getting electrocuted. And it's not until Vanisher gets electrocuted that he becomes visible, and you see that it is. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So Brad Pitt's face is on screen for a total of like two seconds. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, the only member of the X-Force that ends up surviving besides Wade is Domino. Of course. Because her power is locked. Yep. Which Wade keeps saying is just imaginary. Yeah. (laughs) But they end up catching the convoy and they get there just as Cable does. Cable's trying to destroy the convoy. They're trying to stop Cable. So it's Domino and Deadpool fighting Cable. Convoy ends up getting flipped. And that is when the kid unleashes his new friend who is the goddamn juggernaut. And that is when I nearly jumped out of my seat and cheered. Of course. Yeah. As I would expect. Wade starts trying to talk to Juggernaut. Juggernaut picks Deadpool up and literally rips him in half. Oh. (laughs) Like, disconnects his upper body from his lower body and just leaves him on the ground. As Wade continues to talk because he's fucking Deadpool. Yeah. (laughs) But then... This movie sounds amazing. But then the kid is like, hey, Juggernaut, let's go get revenge on these assholes. So then Juggernaut escorts the kid back to the Essex house so he can get his revenge, and that's when um, Deadpool, Domino, and Cable team up, and Deadpool's like, listen... Give me 30 seconds to try and talk the kid out of this before you try and kill him. And so then, as they're trying to, you know, save the day, Deadpool's trying to stop the kid from killing anyone. And Cable's like, all right, you got like 30 seconds before I put a bullet in his head. Meanwhile, they recruit... um, Colossus, Negasonic, and I can't remember her name, but Negasonic's partner, yeah. to help them fight the Juggernaut. Which is a fantastic fight. Awesome. 
Cable, Domino, Colossus, Negasonic, and this other person fighting the Juggernaut was beautiful. Yeah. Juggernaut wasn't perfect, but he was head and shoulders above X3's Juggernaut. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that pretty much sums up the majority of the movie. I can't wait to see this thing. I very much enjoyed it. The action was great. Um, Like I said, it wasn't as funny as the first one because it had more, like, heart and depth in it. Like, it had more emotion in it. Like, Wade is reeling over the loss of Vanessa and he's, like, just trying to do anything to get back to her. And there's a few times where, like, normally, like, things that would kill people, such as, like, you know, just the disgusting things that Wade survives. Yeah. When he dies for like that split second, he can see her again, but he can't reach her. Ryan Reynolds plays that so well. Like you can see in his eyes how much he's hurting, how sad he is. Yeah. How depressed he is and he just wants to get back to her. Um, I loved it. Like I said, six in the crust. There was one thing that I was hoping for out of this movie, like, partway through, that I didn't get. Okay. That I thought would have made sense. Yeah. Because I didn't know that they were going to have anything to do with the ethics court in this movie. Yeah. And Nathaniel Essex being Mr. Sinister. Oh. Um... Cable is the son of Scott Summers and a clone of Gene Gray. Yeah. Yeah. And Gene was cloned by Mr. Sinister, Nathaniel Essex. Hmm. So having a movie that heavily features Cable and having mention of Essex in this movie I don't know why they didn't touch more on Cable's origin from that and I was kind of hoping it was at least even going to say the name Sinister yeah yeah I mean maybe they did and I just didn't hear it maybe I missed it maybe on my second or third watch of the movie I'll pick up on more stuff but it wasn't in there that I realized um Um, getting a bit of feedback again of course um maybe maybe Mr. Sinister will be in Deadpool 3 maybe um I don't know if they're going to do a straight-up X-Force movie after this. Yeah. Which would be a cool sequel to this, but... I mean, look at the end of... um, Was it Apocalypse? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, when they're collecting... Like, at the end, at the bunker that they broke out of and freed Wolverine from. Yep. 
there's hints at the Essex Corp there too. Okay. Yeah. And so this is two X Men related movies that they've mentioned the Essex Corp. Yeah. So I really feel like they're building towards Mr. Sinister. I think so. As a villain. Which would be really cool because, I mean, we just keep seeing, like, like, yes, we've seen other things, but it's just still Magneto, Magneto, Magneto. Because yeah. even when they're fighting fucking Ivan Ooze, it was still a lot of this was he powered up Magneto and Magneto is going to be the one tearing the planet in half. Yeah. And then once they've persuaded Magneto to join their side, it makes the fight against Apocalypse a lot easier. In Days of Future Past, it's Magneto manipulating the Sentinels at the end. Yep. And they just keep going back to Magneto. And I get it. Like, he is the most well-known X-Men villain. But, like... The first three X-Men movies, like, X- Magneto was the villain in the first one. Second one, it was it was mostly Stryker, but yeah. then at the end, Magneto takes his little turn and is trying to kill Stryker and abandons everyone else there. Yeah. X-3, you've got Magneto leading this revolution, kind of pulling the puppet strings on Gene. Yep. Um, first class, you've got... Like, really, it's Magneto's fault that Charles ends up in a wheelchair, and, like, at the end, like, it's just a conflict between Charles and Magneto. Like, he gets his revenge, but he's just, like, you know, straying from the path that him and Charles were on. So, really, he kind of becomes the villain in that movie. And they just keep using Magneto as, like, the type of villain in every movie. Yeah. And I'm kind of getting a bit tired of it. They got to get away and from that. I love Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. I need a break from Magneto. Yeah, I think we all And do. with the two hints now at Nathaniel Essex, I think it's time we get Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I also don't think Juggernaut is dead because well A if Juggernaut is dead at the end of this movie I'm calling bullshit because Juggernaut's healing factor is fucked yep like they've pretty much destroyed Juggernaut down to a single eyeball and he has come back from that just by regenerating yep and it looked like there was still some movement there as it was as the shot was pulling out from the end of that fight. Okay. So, yeah, I hope Juggernaut's still kicking because I would love to see them use him again. Yeah. And I would very much hope that they use Mr. Sinister and Les Magneto now in upcoming movies. Yeah. But really, that's my only complaint about Deadpool 2 is that as soon as I heard that the school that Russell was being housed at, that 
they were mistreating and experimenting in math was called the Essex House. I was like, please, please, please let there be Mr. Sinister in this movie. So from like the 20 minutes in point and on, I was like praying to see this character on screen. And we didn't get that. So I'm hoping it's just foreshadowing for future films. Planting seeds for the future. Yes. I really hope so, yeah. That'd be fucking cool. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the... There's one line oh. in this movie that really gets me from Juggernaut, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, as him and Russell are walking up to the house, like the Essex house, Russell asks him about his helmet, and he's like, so that helmet protects you from psychic powers that your brother has? Something along these lines. And Juggernaut's like, yeah, but he's in a wheelchair, so fuck him type thing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which is obviously a shot at Charles. Yeah, of course. So they've finally acknowledged that, you know, Kane and Charles are stepbrothers. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. But the whole, like... Yeah, but he's in a wheelchair. Nice. The shot that Juggernaut takes at Charles was fucking perfect. I look forward to seeing this. Yeah, I... I want to hear your feedback after you've seen this movie. Yeah, hopefully I'll get the chance to see it sooner than later, but... Uh, I guess that's it for the, for the episode. I guess... Uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. Um, Me too. A lot of fun little segments. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, next episode is going to be video game based because we're doing an E3 preview. Uh, Woo! E3 is coming up. We're going to get all the new uh, video game announcements and trailers and first looks at, at upcoming video games. So we're going to sort of preview everything that's announced, uh, games we want to see, that sort of thing. Uh, and we'll be doing a special video game-based mailbag. Uh, that being said, once this comes out, uh, Solo is also going to be out, so we're probably going to have to mention that at some point in the episode. Uh, should have We should have lots to talk about. I'll ask you this now because, I mean, we're going to have more info on E3 by the time the next episode comes out. Yep. What are you most hoping to hear or see from E3? Like, is there a specific game or platform that you're most hoping to see info or previews on? As, as in already announced or, like, wishful thinking, we want a game to happen? <laughs> Either or. Either or. Um, well, I've heard rumors that Microsoft are actually focusing more on new games. So I really hope so because I love my Xbox One, but it could really use some some uh, some new uh, games, uh, some some exclusives. That is. Um, cool. I mean, there are always long shots that I want, like uh, fucking. I, I I mean Half-Life 3, Portal 3 
that kind of thing. Uh, there's all kinds. Uh, it's too much to mention right now. And I mean, honestly, uh, the Nintendo conference. I'm really, I'm really excited for the Nintendo conference because I feel like we're gonna get a lot of new Switch games. And yeah. I don't have one yet, but if they announce the right games, maybe I will. You know. Um, Switch is what I'm most excited for, just because I want to hear. Uh, any news about the upcoming Smash game, mm. as well as if they're going to talk at all about the new Pokemon, because yeah. Pokemon is going to be making the jump to the Switch. Oh, yeah. For right. all their uh, yeah. main series games. We're going to have to spend a bit of time on Nintendo, because they got a lot of interesting stuff coming up. Yeah, so that's what I'm most looking forward to from E3, is just to see if anything if any updates or trailers or anything are given on those. Yep. And we're going to spend, I would say, a good two hours on just upcoming video games and stuff we want to see. And it's going to be a fucking blast. I can't wait. Uh, so I guess that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for submitting your mailbag questions. Mailbag's always fun. I love doing it. Um... You can always check out other episodes of Jedi Dropouts as well as any spinoffs over at www.jedidropouts.bobbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, uh, James, you started streaming. We should probably mention that real quick. Um, yes. Um, I've done two streams now. I'm going to try and make it a regular once-a-week thing, maybe with bonus ones sprinkled in throughout the week as time permits. But uh, I will be linking uh, my stream channel on the Jedi Dropouts Facebook page as well as my own uh, social media accounts. But if you want to check it out, I will be streaming some uh, Pokemon Showdown and a link to the past randomized games mostly on twitch.tv slash x jimmy x romantic x <laughs> yep yep straight edge for boy um <laughs> yeah so I'll be posting uh the links on the Facebook page so if you can't remember what I just said you can just yeah. click the link then and it, uh, you can subscribe and follow so you'll yeah. be updated when I'm going live but I'm going to try and schedule it for every Sunday from uh, 3 to 5 it may run a little bit longer may run a little bit shorter but that's the window I'm aiming for for the time being it's 3 to 5 every Sunday sounds good yeah and me I'll just be here watching anime and talking about it with Mitchell uh yeah, we got we got some fun stuff planned over there. We we've got a bunch of we've got a lot of balls in the air. We've got a handful of things we're working on right now, and we've got some sort of one-off episodes coming up. The Jedi Dropouts one shots got a couple of those in the works. Yeah, which There's a lot of wheels turning. 
Yes. In the Jedi Dropout's house right now. Oh, yes. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. And um, I guess thanks for dropping by. Keep coming with that good pizza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cut me off a slice of that good pizza. Later.